Valiant 33 podcast. We're talking about Philly Union 2 losing to RNYFC 1 to 2. And right now we're looking at the stats page and explaining <laughs> what we're seeing on the page with the new passing network statistic. Yeah, we're all just geeking out over it. So I gotta say, I'm enjoying this. High level, what it what it looks like it is is a computerization of the overall passes between specific players. It looks to be the highest percentage, so it's not like every pass to every player. It looks to be who they pass to the most and then what their percent percentages were. So, for example, um, there were 18 passes between Williams and Dolabello, with 10 of those going from Williams to Dolabello and 8 going the other way. It's a little hard to hover over these skinny lines, though. So, but I encourage yeah, you to we, check it out. It's kind can of we cool. get some uh, proper uh, real-world lines here, and not some of the skinny supermodel shit. That's right. I'd oh, like to be represented. It just, it just changed. Now it's on the other side of the field. They yeah, heard us talking about it. You're looking at home. No, both are on the same side of the field now. Before it was over on the other side, and it hit away. Then they flip flopped. Yeah, so away is the rhinos and home is Philly. Yeah, I know. I realize that. I, I'm just saying when it, when I hit home, it was on is left to right, and then when I hit away, we were going right to left, and then as we were talking about it, it switched on me automatically. So now both teams go left to right. It this doesn't matter. I'm gonna <laughs> anyway. Check out MLSNextPro.com <laughs> for for more on the passing networks. Yeah, it, it it it's good info though because it I think it also shows you average position. So like just from seeing this, you could see that um, Dolabella and Jalo were pretty much on top of each other at least from passes played. That doesn't mean they held hands while they played. It just means while one made a pass, the other was somewhere else. But they both yeah. kind of took up in the middle with distribution. Yeah, it, it, you can see we're playing the rare um, one, two, four, two, one uh, formation. Nope. Just my, back I, on me. I think that's uh, Evan's favorite in FIFA. That's right. That's right. It's a it's, it's a gem. You got to learn how to contain it. But uh, once you master it, it's something special. Another interesting thing that I pick up from this, just looking at it, is that whenever Batiz was getting involved with with the passing. He tucked in and Jacob kind of went around him to provide the width while Garrett pretty much stayed wide. If I'm going to make a guess from what this means is just when Batiz gets mixed up in like the passing and the buildup, he tucks in. And then when he's on the attack, he that's when he goes out wide. And I think that's why we've been seeing Jacob as that outside center back slash sort of right back role. I do have a question. Did uh, Dijalo have a shot that went just directly across goal? Um, to to the the sideline. Maybe. There's the shot map above all this that shows everything going on goal or blocks or anything, and then there's one that's just directly across. (laughs) I see. Oh, I think that's Ian. I think that's Ian Garrett. I see it coming from number four. Yeah. Okay. I see it coming. From, yeah. The yeah, little hash yeah. mark got covered. Well, that's also a good problem because there's a lot of little black dots all up in the box on top of each other. Um, so we were up in there. But yeah, Please. I think that was probably actually a cross, but they just registered it as a shot. 
which is why it's going directly into the the fucking sideline. It's parallel to the the end line. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Garrett the benefit of the doubt here and assume he didn't shoot it like that. Uh, Well, also that's that's never a shot. That's a pass. So I don't know Mm. what. Anyway, just as we uh, shit on it, it, I will say this is probably the coolest part of the league that you're not seeing this unless you're paying for some sort of analytics software. You're not seeing stuff like this for other other leagues. Yeah, we're coming in heavy in the box on the left hand side, and <laughs> oh. on the on the right, it's all shots from distance, which is interesting. Oh my god! Don't press the. Uh... At the top of the page, don't press player. We could just talk for hours on all these statistics. Well, I did. All right. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, well, I I see Mike's eyes lighting up with. with yeah. With, with the, <laughs> this uh, is gonna have to be. We're gonna have to dive Intrigue into this another time. Player insights. I'll I'll step back and and high level thought thoughts on the game was it was pretty pretty close so like we 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 came in here off a win you guys got to talk about a fun um two nil victory from from the week prior last week um and we came in against philadelphia union who's been pretty hot lately uh they were looking to be just about out of it uh a month month and a half ago and um they've definitely worked their way back into it and it did look like a matchup of of two two pretty even teams and i think uh you know the the stats here more or less tell that story, uh, but we we stuck with it with two really sweet goals. I love. What did you think of that will goal, Mike? Where I he, thought he dinks it around the keeper. I love. Yeah, that. I thought I thought it was crafty. He put the ball on the right side of him, went around the left, um, because I think if he went the same direction as he as he touched the ball, he would have gotten clobbered by the keeper. Um, so I, I, th- yeah. I thought it was a it was a brainiac move. It was very slick. Yeah, yeah, it was smart. It was smart, and I, I thought it was it, it was a, a game where we saw Will pretty pretty involved. I think it was. Would you call it his his best game yet? But this one, I think it was. Yeah, I think this was an I mean, best yeah, game. Yeah, you could say that, and I wouldn't argue with you. I, I I remember before we were talking about him playing a deeper role, and I think this is just uh, evidence to support that. Because he did, he had he had good link up play. I guess it, <clears throat> if you want to say he, whatever those that it was a three four two one, really a three four three. Um, however you want to cut that cake, he kind of played that half space with Garrett going out wide. Um, he was like that second winger, if you will, that that was tucked in more centrally. I like him in that role, and he got a goal out of it. So. Uh, yeah, he whatever does, you want to say. Does, <laughs> yeah, he does well in the half space. Like he looks like a striker. He's built like a striker. He looks like a striker, and uh, he he did a a pretty good job in in the striker role in in spots when he's had that opportunity. But I think he's he's better in the half space. He's better connecting. He's better kind of like finding soft spots and and getting the ball and working working from those spots. Uh, but he he connected a lot and he he had a lot of nice passes and obviously came came up. On, on the end of a goal nice assist by uh dolabella too by the way on that one yeah great great game from him i think he's you know amongst the uh, potential man of the match performance you're not going to give uh an alien the assist for the the pass to himself oh yeah he could he could you could argue it i'll give it to him goal and assist for an alien yeah yeah, yeah from what i saw yeah an alien's basically the, the per- playing the false nine which is it's also good to see some uh, some changes in how we uh, were playing because it felt like for a while that the league kind of figured us out, and when they didn't, uh, or when they couldn't, in the Orlando's case, they just played uh, their first team, which was fun for everyone involved. Yeah, that was that was rough. I uh, <laughs> I just want to forget about that game, but yeah, we played a little bit different. Like we looked a little bit different um the inalien kind of his activity where he was operating is was one of those differences uh ed did what ed he had also a really good game and and scored the winner in stoppage time so that was a a nice reward but he he also had had a great game uh 
And the width was really all about, about the wingbacks. I think a lot of times we do a little bit of like an imbalanced attack since, since Vanneker went out, which was way earlier in the season when we had him and Ian, it was more balanced. We had high, high wingers, um, kind kind of like a traditional, uh, three, four, three operates as you see a lot of teams doing now, uh, in Europe. But when we had Vanneker go down, we, we shifted the balance to the left through Ian, but we got that balance back today because one of the other changes was uh, Batiz on on the right, who himself is is a winger, usually on the left hand side. But now we had two guys who who are naturally provide with, who attack in in very direct fashions, um, going up and down both wings, and we had an alien dropping in and connecting more. That's what Ed does naturally. So we had uh, more of a balance attack with, with both. Uh, guys able able to attack down the flank so it was it was interesting tweaks and it uh it paid off and they're very uh minor tweaks too when you when you kind of look at it as far as like formation wise you're just um setting what would be traditionally the the wingers i guess in the 343 you set them back and in and then you kind of put more on the outside of the four yeah, it worked. And and against, uh, like I said, it was a, a pretty good team uh, for any MLS uh, ner- nerds out there or U.S. men's national team heads. Uh, the, Phil- the Philly Union 2 team has a few, uh, you know, kind of promising young pro- prospects, Paxton Aronson, uh, Brendan Aronson's brother and Quinn Sullivan, who I think he scored a hat trick for the, for the U-20s in the, in the CONCACAF championships uh, a, cu- a couple months back. So a few uh, really good young players on on that Philly Union 2 team. Uh, as well so it was it was kind of cool to see them uh paxton had a few really nice moments actually and uh yeah and it was a tough game i thought we did really well to 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 win it uh and and ed's goal late was was really well taken that was that was really sweet it was, it was a good match well i'll tell you what it's not good enough paxton i'm sorry bud <laughs> other players that had a, a good first half at least in my opinion was rayo had a lot of nice runs early in the first half I feel like he t- he took up a lot of uh, a lot of room in that defense's head as far as needing to watch him and Batiz and Garrett in those in on the whiff they cooked that Philly defense all game. It's almost as if they had a bet between the two of them of who could get more nutmegs because there I saw a lot of frustration coming out of Philly because they just could not fucking deal with them. And they also have to live in Philly, so that's its own problem. Ayo. Yeah, good good performances across the board. I, I did really like the width. I was like a little bit nervous when I saw Batiz out there, just, just knowing a, a natural left-sided forward player, you know, go, go sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't when you convert, you know, wingers to 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 wing back. You've seen, you know, a lot of players in, in Europe give that a shot and some end up being uh naturals you know victor moses out of nowhere all of a sudden becomes this all-world winger for a season um when he's kind of like a fouled forward uh and then some guys don't some guys try it and and you realize very quickly it's not for them so i didn't know how that was going to go and uh it it turned out to to work to work pretty pretty well um but good performances across the board yeah shout out to to the center midfield uh as you mentioned from the passing charts you know jalo and dolabella uh as usual kind of both sharing um you know co eight co-defensive midfielder roles kind of switching bo- both doing box to box type work. Um, Jalo had uh, a couple nice skills where he, he, he dinked around people on the sidelines. Uh, Dolabella with, with, with some nice uh, through balls and uh, Christian Wood again, coming up, coming up big in a, in a few moments, you called him the, uh, the Swiss army knife of a player. Mm-hmm. I, I can't give him enough credit for, you know, all the work that he's done playing in, you know, essentially four different positions, kind of five different positions really. Cause we actually played traditional left back, I think, the, for the first couple of weeks. So if you want to call wing back, left back, and left center back, all three different positions, uh, give him credit for five different positions. Um, but he had another good performance, too. Yeah, he's our he's our own Antonio Condreva. That's right. He, oh, he does it all. He does it all. <laughs> yeah, I, I, seeing um, – because last game we had this back three as well with Wood, uh, Jacob, and Lopez – playing the back three and I, I kind of mentioned it before where I don't 
think the outside center backs are expected to play so much like outside center backs. I think it's a hybrid between a center back and also what a fullback would be. That being said, though, with Lopez would be the only straight up center back. You don't hear his name too much. And I've always said that's a good thing. If you don't see your center backs on the game ticker of things that happen, that means they had a good fucking game. And I got to compliment him again as being a very solid center back for us, especially in that in that center role. Yeah, he, he's been huge. He keeps it organized. He, he's calm. He's everything you want. He, he, he knocks down balls really, really well. Uh, he, he definitely keeps things organized with, with the other two who aren't, you know, aren't generally natural center backs. Um, but yeah, Jacob combining really well with Batiz on the right would work working well behind, uh, Ian Garrett on the left. It was, uh, it was, it was an all around performance. It, it really was. It really was nice. And we didn't mention, we got to see, uh, Philip Ejimadu backup keeper for the first time in a while too. Big um, Phil. Just one goal put past him, but but overall he held it down, and and that was really nice to see. You know, Kaike has been huge for us, so it's a little, little scary to see him uh, go down. Yeah, that was um. He just he kicked the other player. Um. Well, because we, we I, you could see it this time because real cameras, but on the follow through he kicked the other person in the the shin, I think. Um. So it was either the top of his foot or his ankle, and then. He tried to muscle through it, which was what any player would do. Unless you're physically removed, you're going to try and play. Um, and you could tell like, he was hopping around on it for a little bit. And at a certain point, I think it was uh, he had to run across to face a goal. And I said to myself, like, he's coming out. Like, there's no way. And then he went down and, and Big Phil came in and did a pretty solid job. I mean, he was tested almost immediately and rose to it. And then, yeah, he let one in, but we put in two. So who cares? Yeah, it was nice. And we we saw uh, an appearance from uh, our very new signing, Opie Edwards, um, which which is pretty cool, a player with uh, a, a few games in the EFL Championship uh, and some, some League One experience over in England. So a player who, like Ed, has has, has some, some games at a, at a pretty high level. Uh, it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, he came in for uh, – who did he come in for? It was the outside. Garrett, yeah, out, yeah outside, outside left back. And Garrett needs some rest too, so it's nice to have someone else who can um, j- jump in there on that on that left wing back role. He's played a lot of minutes. Yeah, the other thing I noticed in this game was that two of our players got hit directly in the nuts, and I think that was on purpose because, like, if that happens once, it's like, okay. But twice, I think they were gunning for us. Do you have the minute not uh, jotted down in your notes? I'm gonna I'm gonna play no, that. No, I do not. I don't. I, I'd like I'd but, like to judge and see if I uh, agree if they were gunning for if they were gunning for nuts or not. I mean, it looked intentional to me. Oh, I'm boy. just saying. I'm I'm just seeing the signs and I'm just reporting what I see. That's so right. I've been I've All been right, doing buddy. this. I've been I've been tracking nut shots my whole life, and I'm telling you, this falls right into that category of intentional nut shot. Who who were uh, the the receivers of said nut shots? It was, I know it was Jacob got one, mm. and I think it was Batiz was the other. So you yeah. know what? It might have been your boy Paxton Harrison. It might have been Paxton. That's right. That's he was on the he was on their left wing taking so, nut yeah, shots. Okay, uh, we we got a we got an eye on you, kid. I'm gonna run the film back. I'm gonna pinpoint it. I'm gonna fucking figure this out. All right, anything else you want to bring up before I bring up the big controversial call? I'm good. No, I'm ready for the controversy. Let's right. roast uh, Nicholas. Who's Nicholas? What are you talking about? The guy that we're the, the controversial call. Is that the AR, ref's name? AR1. Yeah. Oh. Nicholas Seymour. <laughs> Yes, well, he's the fucking one to blame. I'm sending you an image right now so you can review how Rayo was, in fact, onside in that 86th minute, and he was not offside at all. You can see in the image. Bring it up, Exhibit A. Do you have it in front of you? Yes, I do. Okay. The red arrow is the defender. Keep an eye on him. Mm -hmm. That is Costa with the ball already released. 
And if you follow the shadow line, you can see Rayo is clearly on side. He is not kept on, in fact, by the middle center back there, which is why Nicholas fucking Seymour or whatever his name is thought he was offside. It's actually the outstretched leg of the defender going after the ball that Costa just played in that keeps him onside. I, I'm going to do one correction. It is not the defender. It is actually the ball. That what? Puts him offside? No, the ball puts him onside. So the ball, when the ball is ahead of the second to, the second to last defender, the ball becomes the last, the last line. All right, so we're both right for the same, different reasons. Yes. Okay. I'll accept so, that. Allowed in court. Uh, Mr. Seymour is doubly wrong and doubly stupid and should feel sorry. Yeah, Evan, what do you think? It's not exactly. Okay. My visual proof is enough. Con- confirm. This this locks okay. it down. In fact, this might even be oh. what they look at when they, when they go to VAR. This, this I can actually right here. I can if you look at where Seymour is, you can see why he fucked up because he's 14 yards uh, behind the play. So he's he's pulling a John Moss here, where he's saying, "Oh, as my eyes are getting, or as I'm getting older and fatter, my eyes are getting better." Which well, uh, he he is at the if you draw a line out from the top, he's at the top of the box essentially, and the play is happening in between, you know, the 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 two yard boxes. So he's already looking at it at an angle. But he fucked up. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, he fucked up. So it's a good thing we ended up winning because if we ended up, you know, drawing out of this, I would have been way more mad. But it should have been three to one. Yeah. Should have been three yeah. to one. And that was another ball played by Costa. We we didn't mention him yet. He always gives us something coming off the bench. I I'd like to say he's 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 been a great sub. He he's almost always our like first attacking sub in, and he he always provides something. So it should have been uh, an assist this this time out for him. Yeah, and that's what you want to see from your from your team is is that depth. You don't want to have someone switch out, and we've had a couple of players switch out, and didn't see any any decrease in the uh, the playing ability of them, which is always always good to see. I'm gonna make that image uh, graphic for this episode so everyone can see it. <laughs> Nicholas it's Seymour, super- his career is gonna be fucking ruined after this. Should uh, superimpose it with one of those new uh, Champions League uh, semi-automated offsides people. I don't know what that is. <laughs> so no, no one's watched any any soccer today, apparently. I did. I had it on the whip around shit though. Yeah, I didn't. So know, unfortunately, they, they have a new uh, semi-automated offside where they use ten cameras, which seems like too oh, shit. to uh, figure out basically. In a computer, it superimposes uh, skeletons on everyone to figure out where it is, and then they turn that into a graphic to show, kind of like in tennis, where they show the lines or when it's. Um, yeah, I always wondered the, how they did that. Oh, I love yeah, ShotSpot. The, 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 the goal line tech, where it's uh-huh. basically the same idea. So, I always thought it was just some nerd with MS Paint. <laughs> I mean, they make probably, it look all official. <laughs> probably in like some of the third world countries or something where they've like. They might be doing that, but this is a. Uh, it looked pretty neat. It kind of looked like the game Super Hot. If anyone's familiar with that, Just making that. references, no one gets, so that's fine. Yeah, totally. um, that's great I'm idea. with you. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, um, I got it totally. But it, it should stop situations like the uh, Merseyside Derby this weekend, where it took four minutes to figure out that player four yards offside was uh, actually offside. Better safe than star. Uh, sorry, Stu. Yeah, better safe. Cap all this off. We had the late mm-hmm. dramatic ninety plus three minute Williams late stoppage time winner. That's right. And I, I swear to, if you ask him, he's gonna say that first touch was on purpose. But we all know that shit was by accident. The finish was not by accident. The finish was world class, but or certainly close to world class because he put it about the only place you could put it to score. But that first touch was totally by mistake, and I'm not fucking hearing otherwise. Uh, I'm just watching. It. Yeah, he. I'm, he I'm watching it again. Yeah. He basically. Oh runs yeah, into Co- the ball. Costa just just blasted it off. It actually looked like the pass was meant to go through Ed, past Ed. Yeah. 
but a beautiful, beautiful finish. So he he gets. But that's um, what champions do. They they turn a mess. Regardless. That's what champions do. They turn a mess into a beautiful, delicious cake. Lovely. Oh yeah. Yeah, and, and, he, and he makes the keeper look like a fucking asshole. So that's always nice. <laughs> yeah, keeps keeps did not love. do the best job. It was going to be tough to save regardless, but I think if keeper actually walked out toward the the attacker in a way that didn't look like me <laughs> playing goalie, we would yeah. might have had a better chance. Well, it, he, what I liked most is that as when he knew that he was completely out of position, he just fell down, so it looked like he did something. It's kind of like yeah. when the ball is going past the keeper and they jump in the air and then they fall down like four minutes later because the, everyone's already like ready to uh, start the game over again. Yeah, we, we call that pickfording. Yeah. <laughs> so right. I have a question for you boys. With Toronto coming up, do you change anything? Or do you keep this three four two one exactly how it is? Ooh. I'm I'm I thinking would... long and hard about that. It's hard to change it. I don't know, hard to change it. I I think t- Toronto, from what I recall, was a team that hit us in the mouth pretty good. Like they mixed it up. They, they got real physical with us, uh, at, at home, uh, last time they were here. So do these little tweaks make us more equipped for that? You know, I, I'm not sure if Batista is available. I mean, it's, it's hard not to, to put him back in there. Uh, but I, I thought it worked out pretty well with Batista on, uh, on, on the right flank. I, I would run it back. Let me tell you the lineup from that game. It was actually a 3-4-2-1, the same lineup. But the back three was Wood, Lopez, Batista. The midfield was basically the same, only Jacob was on that right wing. Then we had Anelian and Batiz as the two behind Rayo. So it's a little different um, as far as the dynamics go. What was Toronto's formation? Three five two. Okay. Yeah, I like the style that we're that we play with the the the, the two, I guess wingers being guys who who do a little bit more of dropping into the midfield and and connecting and operating in the half space, uh, because it gives the other team's defense like a little bit less of a of a focal point. Like everyone has has a role when you play with traditional wingers. The defense knows what um you know i guess if we were to play with traditional wingers if, if batiz is out on the left and he's running he's running up and on that channel that's that is uh it's one less variable that the defense has to keep track of but with an alien and ed both capable of, of dropping in playing some balls and having wingers run beyond them um I, I think that gives defenses a little bit more to think about um so i i like i like the tactic i like the strategy it 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 worked for us in what was like a not a dominant victory it was it was a tough game against philly but um from what i've what i saw of it uh i i liked it and uh i i think it also gives uh costa a a real natural place to slot in as well because i think i think that's a a role that he can do really well with um so i think it gives we kind of have three guys who can who can play that play that role and I'm, I'm sure they'll all have an opportunity to to do some work there well i've dove in completely on this passing network thing because they added it to all the old games too <laughs> and uh just looking at it from last time we played toronto it just looks like they kind of bullied us a, a little bit in the midfield it, yeah they and, and took and took up that space so i think with this lineup there's more of an outlet to the width that can kind of maybe circumvent that and we might have a little bit more, um, a better showing against them this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Just looking from, yeah, the passing network, we, there was a lot. It really was more the traditional kind of three-four-three three or whatever you want to call it in that game, where against Philly, it was very much way more up the field for our offensive players, and you can actually see the huge difference just from the players see the huge positioning like uh what was it i think batista or batiz is way further forward which he's way further back now um so i think we gotta we gotta try something different against them this time 
it's not a must win, but it, it helps our story if we uh, if we win. Yeah, and those, and those five, if you split their lineup down the middle, if they play this three five two again, where it's the middle center back up to the middle uh, midfielder all the way over to the left to those five, they play a very tight triangle or uh, whatever the five-sided triangle is called. Fucking rhombus. Pentagon. Yeah, Pentagon. They play a tight <laughs> Pentagon. Um, so if they're looking to do that again, having two players like Jacob and uh, Batiz on the right who can take off if they get that ball and kind of break through that, we might find some success on that right side, which is where they like to keep the ball. So that would be the area to pounce on, at least yeah. based on this. And I think the big, the biggest difference too is having Williams in the team will be huge. Yeah, he ma- he makes a big difference. I, I I think having, like I said, two two ball players next to next to Rayo and still getting with from from the wing backs. I think that, I think that makes a huge difference. L- losing Ed in the in you know in spots in the middle of the season um, definitely made made for some 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 difficulty in our, in our buildup. But knowing this league, uh, we'll be facing Insigne and uh, fucking Bernadeschi this weekend. Right, right. Yeah, watch out. You never know. Yeah. So, but one other, uh, thing, one other thing I want to talk about since we're just talking over each other at this point in the segment. Um, <laughs> how many cards do we think there's going to be at this game? A lot. It's going to be a ketchup and mustard fest. Agree. I think it'll be physical. I agree with you. I wouldn't be surprised to see a handful of handful of yellows on either side and reds sometimes come with that. So it wouldn't surprise me one bit. I'm expecting it. And do we think we'll see the same lineup from Toronto? Um, I have no fucking idea. That joke I just made is also half true. I have no fucking idea. <sighs> Uh, I'm pretty sure the league kind of greenlit the Orlando game, but probably for the next one will. That would put them in a legitimacy crisis, I would say, that they don't want to get involved with if Mm -hmm. they try and force, um, just for fun, try and force force another team um, on us. So, not the previous... The previous game only somehow had two yellows, but the... The one in June had eight yellows, which is a little ridiculous. Well, so I'm looking at the table, and I know you're going to want to go into this point scenario because you already kind of dug into it. Right now, Columbus at number one is the only one who's guaranteed anything. From two Mm -hmm. down to seven, it's still anybody. Chicago at eight, Orlando at nine, and Cincinnati at 10 are officially eliminated. But two through seven, the field is still wide open. Yeah, so for my own sanity, I basically kicked out NYCFC two because they need to win out. And that still only puts them at um, 39 points where we've got 36. But to avoid this being... The Cliff Notes version is that we need to win one game and get a little bit of help. If we if we win against TFC two, that puts us in the lead of the division. They still would have a game in hand, so we're probably not going to be division champs because um, they would at that point only need one point out of three um, since they beat us on the first tiebreaker which is total number of wins. And this is actually from their website because there's been some weird other things being thrown around. Philly Union is on the same amount of... They're two points behind us. They've got two games to play. Orlando is probably a pushover, so they probably got a point, three points out of that. Um, then they play New England, so that's going to be a tough game for them. Inter-Miami is the other kind of gotcha because they're in um, whatever the other division is called, like Southern Division or whatever. Um, I don't know. I don't care to look either. So they could be the, they could be the gotcha because they've got Columbus, TFC, and Chicago. So that Columbus, 
who knows if they care anymore. They're so far ahead. TFC, they might just want to help out. Um, Inter to try and kick us out, and Chicago is not very good. Going through all the tiebreakers, basically it's goals for or above the other teams. Goal difference, we're way above the other teams. Um, shootout wins, we're way above the other teams. Wins, we're all tied. Obviously, if the scenario is to get them all to 39 and 40 points, gets um, a little complicated. I'm not going to go through all those scenarios, but I think 39 points is the most likely tiebreak, which is us winning one game, losing the second. All of them have to win and then do some sort of tie and a shootout win or shootout loss. Um, but obviously, if we win both games, it won't matter. Correct. Yeah, we, we win both games. We're going to be at 42 points and we would get third in our division. Third in the conference. Mm-hmm. So TFC 2 can still get 44. It seems very likely then that we're tracking towards a playoff game versus Toronto or if, if someone sneaks ahead of us, then, then Columbus. Yeah, and, and the thing to remember, too, is that it's kind of amazing we're in this position based on how terrible the first part of August was for us with losing all those games. So if that tracks, I mean, basically we didn't get any points for much for four, four or five games in a row. I wouldn't expect the situation where Philly gets two wins, Toronto gets two, let's forget about Toronto, Inter-Miami gets three wins, and then New England somehow gets two wins. So any of the questionable situations of us having to win out and then still having issues, I, I just don't see that happening. Does it say anything about does it say anything about home field advantage or what if there it's, is such a thing? Um if we get second, which is very tough. So for for home field advantage for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we would need to get second or we need to win our division. So So we'd have to win the la- the next two games. Probably. We need to win the last two games. Get us to that would get us to 41, 41 points, and we need TFC two in their last three games to get three points because they beat us on the on the tiebreaker, which is mm-hmm. uh, actually no. This is the one situation where it would be fun because okay, so the things that are super fun in a audio format. If we win our next two games, that puts us at 11 wins, which ties us with TFC 2. The next goal differential is our friend at that, or is the next area, and we would be above them because by definition, we would have to be um, there at seven plus seven, we're at plus six. We would have to be at least two more to get those wins, so we'd be at plus eight, and since they would have to lose three games or whatever it, it would it, it gets a little rough but goal differential is going to be a big deal there so we want to beat tfc2 by a two million. goals well two goals because then that puts us plus four on them on goal difference basically since their goal difference goes down so if anyone's wondering this is why the uh situations like this are very difficult and not explained with uh the commentators on tv it's always done in a visual format <laughs> well they did a pretty good job though um with, with that broadcast i was very Im- impressed with the real cameras and it felt like watching a real game for once evan i think you were gonna add something i was gonna say something stupid like let's just win <laughs> yeah that, that'll help let's let, go let's team win. let's win by four yeah, each yeah, game yeah. and we uh then we got it. So uh, Evan's the next coach for next year. That's right. I keep I keeps it simple. I, I also did find something interesting while still you gave me a, a chance to scour the interwebs while you're explaining <laughs> these, these these scenarios. And I noticed there was a player on the Toronto bench in their last game with the last name De Rosario. 
And that is Adisa, Adisa De Rosario, son of former MLS legend Dwayne De Rosario, which is uh, kind of cool. Looks like he's their backup keeper. Um, I think he's only like 17 years old. It looks like. Nice. Give him a shot this weekend. Give him yeah, a that's shot pretty this cool. weekend. I, I love Dwayne De Rosario. He had some some bangers. What is what? What do they have to lose? Come on. That's why his son's the keeper because he would give the kid a take shot. Take all those shots right. in the backyard on him. <laughs> that's probably right that's probably right yeah 17 years old so put him in there so any other questions since the uh i spent seven <laughs> minutes explaining audibly what we need to do yeah class anyone anyone we also went over it much more succinctly in uh some tweets earlier today so or well a couple days ago when this finally comes out we're going to beat Toronto. We're going to beat New York City. We don't have to fucking worry about it. I'm just thinking yep. <coughs> ahead as far as um, I want home games in the playoffs, obviously. Um, so, but as, as long as if we, you know, traveling to Toronto is not that far of a hike, that wouldn't be the worst. But I would obviously rather have a home game. If we, if we went out that then we want Toronto to lose. Well, they'd lose their first game against us. Then they'd have to lose their game against inner Miami, which is a possibility. And then against Orlando, no matter what they would do in that situation, we would win our division and get second. So that would get us the, that would get us the, yeah. yeah, that would get us the home game. And then, if Columbus Crew plays, let's just say Philly Union too. If Columbus Crew plays them and they lose, then we would get the Eastern Conference Championship. Mm-hmm. And then if, well, then we'd probably basically need St. Louis City to, to lose their side. Right. It's actually... Everyone on the um, Western Conference is basically already figured out. North Texas has a six-point lead over the Earthquakes with two games left. So if they get a point, they're in. And they have more points than we do. Yeah, we don't know how the, the national final is going to go. Because if they're doing it just on points, it's going to be out West. Because yeah. at, at this point... They all have they they all have or are going to have more points than we do. You know, if the league wants to be fucking cool about it and be like, you're the only independent team with the most fans, we'll give you the final. I you know, that'd be fucking doing us a solid, and yourselves a solid. Yeah, I'd let's, be okay. Let's with compromise. That. Let's put it at a neutral site. How about Buffalo? <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> No, we it's saw not. how that worked out in the open open cup. No, I want this this shit here. Because what are you gonna do? You're gonna put it in fucking Houston or Tacoma in front of fucking twenty people? It's your I final. Know. Put that shit in front of fucking two thousand people. So something I know is gonna go well. What about the downtown stadium? I don't care. It's closer to my house. Yeah. Well the I'll other team it. that's the other team that's there is gonna I live, fucking, that point. I, I live two minutes away from the downtown stadium. I'll be there. I'll, I can walk there. It wouldn't bother me. I'll take it. I'm looking up the uh, championship information. Everything we just described uh, is apparently useless information. Throughout the playoffs, the higher-seeded club will host the lower-seeded club unless, at the league's discretion, an alternative site is chosen included but not limited to a neutral venue or the venue of the lower seated club so i would say if we get into the playoffs there's a pretty good chance that we will actually host because everything i have a good chance but they they left room for it at least that's that's nice come on dave give give the fucking commissioner a very firm handshake and twist yeah, it a little some, bit until he gives some until he, until he gives you what you want yeah, I, I, I think we, I think we'd get at least one game. I, I don't know about the other ones, but uh, it's not going to go to Orlando at least. All I'm saying is, if you want that shit to be in front of fans, you put it here. It's it's simple as that. 
if you want to have that shit like in the game that we just had in Philly where it's fucking 30 people and you can hear the air conditioning, then yeah, put it in, in the team that, you know, if you want to go out west with the more points, do it over there. If you want to take this people to take this shit seriously, you put it here. Just put all the games here. They'd get more fans. Now we're talking. That's also, I just, it. I, I, I just found another uh, statistic that I now need to find out what what it is. Um, it's apparently disciplinary points, which is not a statistic I see anywhere else on the website. And that is the ninth tiebreaker before either a coin toss or a drawing of lots, which I don't know what that even is. It's like short straws. Yeah, it's. <laughs> um, but yeah, I need to figure out how many disciplinary points because I'm pretty sure we would lose that tiebreaker with the amount of red cards we've gotten. Yeah, we've collected a few. If you click on our little badge and you go to overview, they have like team stats. We have 56 yellow cards, one, <laughs> one red card. 308 fouls conceded, 290 fouls won. We have 13 left-footed goals, 17 right-footed goals, <laughs> four-headed goals, 30 goals inside the box with only four on the outside of the box. Okay. So in I think that's... <laughs> distribution is 40% going forward. So you can kind of shape the play style of the team based on this stuff where – most of the time we're going up the field directly and trying to get up in that box. That's so. how we do. Up in that box. That's right. That's right. So That's I'm, I'm looking through all the other... Didn't TFC2 get a red card against us, or was that someone else? No, it's just red cards that we've gotten. It's one. Yeah, no, I, I'm looking It's just through... surprising to me, because I thought we had more than that. Okay, so Philly Union 2 has uh, 340 fouls conceded, 52 yellow cards, which seems a little low, but four reds. So they're not hosting shit. Yeah, and, so we would uh, win based on just the one red card. Because I'm sure red card disciplinary points are more than yellow cards. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if disciplinary points is just the fouls conceded. We're How many yellow cards do they have? I wanted like five cards past that. It, they, I think they had 52. 52? Weak shit. We got 56. Yeah, so New England Rev 2 has 299 fouls, 61 yellows, and four reds. <laughs> Y'all heard it here first. This is, we, we got everything you need to know. <laughs> or just go to the website and you can just read all this shit instead of us telling it to you. We shouldn't have said anything and just had these stats. People would be like, oh, shit, they know fucking everything. Orlando City B has eight reds. There you go. Maybe that's Maybe. why they called me the MLS team. Probably. They, they didn't. <laughs> Maybe honestly. they actually had to. Maybe they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. So. Well, dare we venture into a pr prediction uh, territory here? Sure. Are we, are, we, are we ready for that? Yeah, sure. Predicting what? The score. So how much we're gonna win by? Because I, I no one's gonna say we're gonna lose. Come on. I want to. Uh, two one. I'm gonna talk over you if or, you say we're gonna lose. Sorry, one two. I'm saying That's, I've gotten I've gotten the team to do it that way too. So uh, stop I'm, laughing. I'm saying one three, because the league is gonna hear this shit and they're gonna be like, "Damn, we fucked up. This last game should have been one three and they cheated us out of a goal. Mm. So I'm going to say we're going to get that one back this time, 1-3. And our tiebreaker. I'm going with Stu. 1-2 and a close one. I, I, th I, think, I think we'll do our work early this time, though. I think we're going to score early and, uh, and, and hold on to it. Choke the game out. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, anyway's fine with uh, me. Uh, I always like the early goals as long as it's not like the game I went to where then the ref doesn't call anything for the next 80 minutes because they gave they gave a penalty. We'll get one early and then we'll play 11 in the box the rest of the game. We'll do the Mourinho masterclass. They're both Portuguese. That's right. Bruno knows how to park a bus, I'm sure. 
That tracks. Evan, you going to Toronto? I don't think so, unfortunately. I, I'm still um uh in maybe territory, but I'm I'm trending towards no. All those DUIs. Yeah, you know. Busy busy <laughs> weekend. Let's well I'll just say I'm busy this weekend. <laughs> nice. Let's let's leave it there. Yeah, what else? Anything? Um, I'm just wondering why all of the uh, pictures of teams winning are now everyone shirtless in the locker room. Everyone seems to be tracking what we've been doing. Why do you have an untitled folder on your desktop with all of them in there? It's just called new folder and you're not supposed to look at (laughs) them. Exactly. There's (laughs) nothing more suspicious on someone's computer than just new folder. Not a lot of computer bras in this um, in this picture of Columbus here, though. I'm assuming that's the one you're looking you're looking at on the front page. Our our celebration uh, photos in the locker room. We had a lot of the old uh, tracking, computerized, heart rate monitoring, braziers, man's ears. Well, well, I think we did well today, gentlemen. It's about as we, good we, as it's gonna get. <laughs> we did something. Anything, or do we close this off? No, close it out. Thank you for listening to the Valiant 33 podcast. I'm Stu. This is Mike and Evan. And have a good rest of your week. Yeah. Go Ryan. Fouls one. 308 fouls conceded. 56 yellows. One red. 78.7% success. Oh, passing rate. 8,466 total passes. 6,663 successful passes. And 384.8 passes per 90 minutes. And of course, 46.5%. Two games left. One trophy. (laughs) Great, great analysis, Sarah. Woo! Yeah!